0: So it turns out redraft ADP is better than dynasty ADP when you're looking at wide receiver, but worse at running back and also worse at tight end. In other words, any time age is in play, dynasty players are going to do it worse, more often, and harder because they can have those worse players for a longer period of time.
1: Do you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the film watchers and learn some at once. With the mask not adding up, you can check I'm checking out. I'm the party.
0: Welcome to the grind. So recently, Patreon, I wrote up uh, my monthly, at least once a month, uh, mini article, and what I was doing is reprising an, uh, an activity we did last year, uh, inspired, I think, by Gabe Gearing, because he asked me to look at how often players repeat, which is something we've looked at before, but... Um, But I reprised it really to look at ADP, partly because ADP hits at a higher rate than repeats. Now, there's actually some interesting comparisons between how accurately ADP ranks top 5, top 12, and top 24 players compared to how regularly players repeat from the next season. ADP should do better, right, because we get to take all the information all the shortened seasons, all the new incoming and rookies, and adjust for it, whereas just who finished in the top 12 last year remains static after the season ends. And we do. We do do slightly better. But if you round it out to a single number, so it's whole players and actual numbers, we tend to only beat repeat rates by about one, maybe two players in the top 24 uh, at both wide receiver and running back. In other words, we get a two players extra with all that extra work. But it's not exactly that because we're not necessarily counting the same number of players in terms of who finishes there and who was drafted there. So there's a little bit of obscurity to the data there where you're looking at averages, but it is interesting we don't do much better than repeats, and it leaves the entire. Policies? No. Uh, Entire strategies like Jacob Rickroads, where simply you just remember who has done it before and who has done it at least twice before, finishing the top 24, finishing the top 12, and remember to have a higher value on them the further they fall. Another way of explaining that concept the fact that productive players tend to be the ones producing the most fantasy relevant seasons I forget Jacob's numbers it's something like eighty five percent of fantasy relevant seasons come from like twenty percent of drafted players or so either way um but a way of thinking of it in in a dynasty lens is just be um, over-optimistic on anyone the age, under the age of 23 and over-optimistic on o- anyone over the age of 27. This bears out also in when you just look at the average age of players finishing in certain rounds. For example, wide receivers finishing the top 12 average an age of around 27, and there's not a very wide disparity. Essentially, you get one player every year, plus or minus, depending on the exact year, that finishes inside the top 12 in overall points scoring. Who's under the age of 25 or so? Most are 26, 27, and then you get a few old, even older guys in there uh, making up them more. Now, it's also interesting to keep your eye on where the ranges we actually want of difference-making players. For example, we're arguing a lot of uh, tight ends right now. Top, Who's going to finish as a top five tight end? Will Kyle Pitts finish as a top tight end? We're actually uh, the most accurate predicting who's going to finish in the top five at tight end in ADP versus any other position, but typically only two matter. So, hmm. And that was true less last year, where we had so many come from nowhere, so we got a lot of points over-expected based on what we invested in them, in terms of our startups, in terms of our waiver wire claims, but if you're looking on a pure points-per-game basis, typically only two players have a significant advantage over streaming or over the field, and... Um, uh, at the tight end position. This is why they are in the perennial stream tight ends to find a decent one for that year category. Um, last year, or leading on to next year, you've got Darren Waller, uh, George Kittle, uh, and Travis Kelsey, who should all be in that category. So we should be leaning high on that position. and We have been for a while now, where we've had a few extra breakouts last year, and just generally some new talents arise, like George Kittle, like uh, Mark Andrews, had that one season, which is heavily dependent on touchdowns, but still. Um, and Travis Kelsey finally coming into his own and producing the most difference-making tight end season ever, I think. I think it outranks some of Gronk's and some of Graham's as well. But typically, you get about two a year. So, predicting the top five accurately, it's okay. It, yeah, yeah, it's good. Um, yay, Carl Pitts, I guess, would be the tone there, since in Dynasty, we have him ranked in the top five. So, we're pretty accurate there, so you know, there's a pretty good chart, even if we know nothing else about him, of him actually finishing there. A wide receiver, difference making wide receivers, like significance difference making. Um, there's relatively few, obviously, um, but we can draw the line around wide receiver eight. WebCV8 or 9 was where the points per game over the field, or over replacement, or however you want to call it, however you want to calculate it, really starts to drop off significantly. And then you've got another tier below that. At running back, it really drops off around running back 3, really, but we won't say that because everyone loves running back. So it's around running back 5. Points per game advantage at that position really tapers off after running back 5. And then there's another tier below that. Now, when you're comparing positions, running back has more value than wide receiver because they produce, on average, a higher points per game. They're more predictable, more stable, um, and it's easier to see when a player's going to produce, especially in season. Now, when you're looking at a list like I was looking at for my Patreon article, the problem that you have... Um, is that running backs are predictable, but they're also highly varianced. In other words, wide receiver and running back accuracy in terms of ADP on average or in terms of the repeat rates are actually relatively stable. It took me forever to understand why what I knew was true was true in that running backs can be less relied upon year over year. We want them really in the first three years, even though there isn't a significant drop off in performance after that second contract running backs tend to be actually still pretty much the running backs they were in terms of overall performance and just less likely to be on uh, the right situation or um, to get the, the right significant amount of volume to end up in the top three or top five. Now, where was I? Oh yeah. Uh so so the difference between the positions is really in the stability of the repeat rates or the stability of the accuracy of ADP. For example, the accuracy of running back ADP runs from anywhere from literally zero percent We drafted 12 running backs, and none of them finished in the top 12 one year to around 85%. In fact, technically, there was one year where we got 100% accuracy um, in the top 12 at running back, whereas at wide receiver, it never quite hit 100%, but it tends to vary around 40 to 70% year over year. And so while running backs and wide receivers on average are about as stable, you can expect as many to repeat, and you can expect as many to be correct in the first 5 and 12 overall in ADP. Depending on the year, running backs might vary wildly up or down, and that's where the feeling of playing fantasy and the value of the running back position really comes in. Because when you get them right, you really need them. And when you get them right, uh, we tend to get them We can get a lot of them right, and that's uh, where the disparity between the accuracy and the repeat rates of running backs, despite the average being relatively stable. Anyway, um, I'm not sure how much of that made sense to you all without, you know, looking through the data, and I don't like doing that on the crossroads, obviously, so much. I don't want to read numbers to you too much, but... I want to break it down into some simple takeaways. I was watching the Open Bar podcast the other night, and they had some really interesting discussions going on, as they always do. And since this is a gig-gearing-inspired exercise from last year... I figure it made sense to mention it. They had someone on and he was talking about just because statistics say this amount of players are going to miss in a certain rank doesn't mean I'm going to value them any less. The reason I have them ranked that way or value them that way for that matter is because that's who I think is the best and most likely to produce. So I can't fade them just because a statistic says so. Well, one, it's not necessarily a statistic. It's more a descriptive understanding of what we get right and wrong more often than not. I guess you could call it a statistic, but a percentage seems... Almost too too removed from statistics itself, and I get what he's saying, and um, because so I feel the same way. Just because I know that you know most of my wide receiver rookie ranks aren't going to hit doesn't mean I feel any less strongly about where I have them, right? And you shouldn't, but based on the fact that the market has gotten a lot sharper, market and sharper, I know we're not. Trend stocks, but still, um, dynasty players have, in general, become more aware. Of the The affluence of the internet, if nothing else, means most people are aware of most injuries and most backup running backs or uh, wide receiver rookies um, more than we used to be. At least, even in the last five years or so, then uh, the edges have shrank slightly. And what I've started to look at increasingly is not what can we get right more than anyone else but what do we get wrong most often That I can then use to avoid risk in areas where there is more risk even though most might not be aware of it so it's not like it's going to change my ranks or I'm not going to draft C.D. Lamb or I'm not going to draft DJ Moore or DeAndre Swift because this number missed but it does tell me where to be a little bit more cautious just accepting fallibility where to maybe be a little more boisterous. So essentially I just wrote up some takes based on these averages. What can we say about where ADP is at right now um, and what does that mean for the top 12 at the wide receiver and running back position as a whole? So some of the trends I noticed just broad level were, again, that uh, tight ends are the most accurate in the top five. Typically only two matter, but still, um, we're very good at predicting the top five wide receivers. The accuracy uh, difference is actually marginal with only one extra player fin- and in the top five wide receivers hitting versus the top five running backs and remember the extra variance means sometimes we get excessive numbers of running backs right but again the consistency in wide receiver kind of matters especially if you're playing dynasty and um, because value matters so much and running back va- uh, value is so volatile and also can drop off much quicker uh, where they uh, have a higher injury rate as well as we're experiencing a lot this offseason and um let's see what else did i notice there's no prize for guessing why redraft value uh redraft adp is more accurate at both wide receiver and at tight end than um in dynasty that's because we are overdrafting younger players because of value rather than necessarily expected production so as long as we're drafting them knowing we're not expecting production, 600 yards for wide receivers is a pretty good benchmark um uh, tight ends, I don't know. I could probably look that up. It's probably around 400 yards or so, just as a, a an over-under stat of what makes and doesn't make a good rookie season. Um, again, interestingly, based on that hit rate research I did, 50% who were over that simple st- statistical markers like that, like being over 600 or under 600, um, have good seasons and have bad seasons. So using a single statistic... Or stat or stat line to actually judge whether a player had a good or a bad season is actually a poor way of doing it, but it's an easy eye reference. Mostly, our experience of fantasy seasons tends to be fairly accurate, and so the best marker I found is if a player falls in ADP by more than a round or rises by ADP more than a round. But as always, as that uh, fellow on the Open Bar podcast was noted no, noting, that shouldn't necessarily change our feelings. So if uh, a player drops. By But we felt like they had a pretty good rookie season. I'm literally using feel, our experience of their fantasy production, whether that is the statistics you like to crunch or the film you like to grind. And whatever that is, it should be listened to because the market can and is market. Uh, Our ADP can be accurate or inaccurate. And so when a Tyler Boyd falls 10 rounds after his rookie season, it was very easy buy because that didn't match up to what I saw in year one personally. And so if there's a rookie from last year that you feel has dropped in ADP, but it's unfair because you actually thought Henry Ruggs did a pretty good job, that's not me, or Jalen Rager wasn't that terrible on a per-attempt basis, which is kind of me, then um, I'm okay to target those players. But overall, ADP and uh, a communal experience of whether they had a good or a bad season actually tends to be a better measure than any one statistical point. But I'm getting off-topic here, so I'm going to move on. All right, um... So where do I live off? Yeah, ADP tends to be more accurate for redraft leagues when looking at wide receiver and trying to predict top 12 running back uh, for wide receiver and tight end because redraft leagues are less scared of age and those age boundaries do tend to run a little higher than at running back. Whereas at running back, Dynasty tends to be a little better inside the top five and inside the top 12 because we lean heavily youth and that's where a lot of breakout running backs come from year one to three. Derek Henry... David Montgomery not with span- withstanding, obviously not putting them next to each other, just that they were later breakouts. Don't get too mad at me, either truth or camp. All right, uh, the advantage of wide receiver is that uh, uh, running back ADP is all over the place. Like I said, if you check out uh, the images in that Patreon post, I'm literally reading just so I don't forget something, uh, you can see the wide Year over year, accuracy varies from 0 to 75%, whereas wide receiver, it varies from 30% to 75%. Um, also, just interestingly, looking at this data year over year, something I noticed is that we were way too accurate in the top 12 at running back last year. And by too accurate, I mean, on average, we get a certain number right. Even in a good year, um, we get so many right. But last year, we actually got an exceptionally large number of them correct. Again, where a lot of young running backs did fairly well. Um so uh and in the top five we were particularly poor, but that makes sense because Saquon Barkley and CMC were in the top five and they got injured, not because of performance, not because they lost their jobs, not because of any other reason. They just suddenly weren't available, even though we were all drafting them in the top five. So our accuracy in the top five should get more accurate, and our accuracy in the top 12 should maybe get a little less accurate, assuming that our accuracy regresses year over year. I think it does. To be honest, we get better and worse as cycles of uh, different classes come on and leave off of the most important fantasy relevance. Um, So I definitely think I see... Uh, that we get if we're over accurate one year we tend to overestimate ourselves and be more inaccurate the next year but that's largely just my opinion so it is something I look for um in terms of the top 12 ranks at wide receiver and running back and last year I think it's interesting that we were very accurate like exceptionally accurate that 75% number accurate uh, inside the top 12 but we were far below average in the top 5 so with CMC and Barkley back hopefully if their health is uh, come to f- fully 100%, um, then our accuracy on the top five should regress upwards naturally because we're still drafting them in the top five now. Either way, I thought it was an important thing or interesting thing to uh, note. Nothing. We were also very lucky at quarterback last year. Um, let me look that one up because I've forgotten the number of it. Da-da-da. Yeah, last year we got 60% of the top five quarterbacks right in, in that 60% of the top... Five quarterbacks that we drafted all finished in the top five. that's highly unusual. The height before that was forty percent and when you're talking about a sixty and a forty percent number when you're only talking about five players, obviously that's like a difference of one player, but I think it's relatively interesting, especially since that accuracy and um, was true in the top twelve last year. we got seventy two percent of them right in two thousand nineteen. The top 12 that we drafted finished inside the top 12, but in 2020, only 58% of the players we drafted in the top 12 at quarterback actually finished in the top 12. So again, that regression does seem to happen. And since we got so many of the top five quarterbacks right last year, I think we might expect a little bit more pain in Superflex, whether some of the top five quarterbacks we're drafting this year or at least one extra guy um, might flunk out of the top 5. That doesn't necessarily mean they're not going to be good. They can finish in the top 15 and be fantasy viable and it not feel like a wasted pick in Redraft and in Dynasty. So that factors in here as well. Um, but when we're talking about the significance of thresholds, right, it would top 8 wide receiver, top 5 running back, uh, top 2 tight end for t- for quarterback, on average, it's really the top 1. The top quarterback has a significant points per game advantage over the others. Now with the proliferation of proliferation, that's a word, um, of uh, rushing quarterbacks. That number has been slightly high over the last few years, would be my guess, where Lamar Jackson's had fantasy value over expected Despite not being the top quarterback every year, Patrick Mahomes not being the biggest rusher and also not being the top quarterback over the last few years, yet still providing some level of weekly advantage, that's not necessarily true with this wave of new uh, quarterbacks coming in and that rushing upside definitely getting more utilized in the NFL. But, on average, I would expect only the top-ranked quarterback, whoever that happens to be next year, to provide a significant advantage over the field, especially where we shouldn't be as accurate in the top five this year, considering how accurate we were last year. Ultimately, what I'm saying is most of the extra value at quarterback this year if i'm reading it right or if the trends stay true or whatever this means and what i'm guessing from how we've been doing to what we should do in 2021 is that the great quarterback values this year are probably going to be players drafted slightly low that finish slightly higher so not necessarily points per game over a over expected not like over replacement value where Patrick Mahomes just provides an extra three four points a week locked in over everyone else or Lamar Jackson in his year or Matt Ryan in either of his two years or Cam Newton in his two years. But instead, it will be quarterbacks drafted a little lower who actually outproduce where they were drafted. And that has a significant effect and uh, advantage for a redraft or a dynasty squad. I think that's going to be mostly the quarterback landscape in 2021. We've been having a great wave of excessive new quarterbacks coming onto the scene we've been hitting at a higher rate I think that somewhat slows down not that I'm down on this class just that I don't expect Justin Fields when he hits to be a top five or a top 12 I think he's just going to have a good quarterback season when he does start for the Bears and um, and we'll be excited about him but not necessarily that year two for Patrick Mahomes or that year one for Lamar Jackson Anyway, um, and so the names that come to mind for that are like Tuatonga vailoa I think he's being drafted below what his points could be, for example. And that's not going to mean he's an advantage over whoever has Patrick Mahomes. It's just an advantage because you got those points slightly cheaper. But I'm going to stop talking about quarterback because this is the most I've ever talked about quarterback in years, and I don't like it. All right, um, so ultimately, uh, these notes and looking at the broad trends just results in a simple exercise. So let's look at the top 12 in ADP in ru- at running back and wide receiver know how many we typically get accurate, and who do I feel the most confident about. So running back, we typically get two to three, if we get a high number correct, in the top five. And where I think we should expect the higher number in the top five, we can name three in the top five right now and feel pretty confident um, that your most confident running backs in the top five are actually going to hit this year, because I think we are due a little bit more luck, let's call it in 2021 we typically get about five to six right and um, inside the top 12 that includes the top five as well so if you're taking three in the top five then you've got two left maybe three extra in the top 12 in ADP I expect two because again I expect this to be more accurate in the top five and less accurate in the top 12 and so that those are the numbers I went with now the top 12 overall don't want to read you a list but it's Christian McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor, Dalvin Cook, Saquon Barkley, Avon Kamara, Najee Harris, Derek Henry, Nick Chubb, uh, Antonio Gibson, Ezekiel Elliott, DeAndre Swift and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So essentially the exercise is just who do I feel the most comfortable with and so I put a little marks next to them uh, Inside the top five I feel the most comfortable with Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley. I think those two Uh, top 5 running backs are going to hit inside the top 5. The next guy I gave it to was actually Alvin Kamara which is probably my mistake because we're meant to lean young at at running back but it really does feel like an old guys are going to do it again kind of a year because we had such a youth influence last year and with such overproduction that's going to come down a little bit I think a little bit of the not so old vets are going to pay off a little bit more this year and so I went with Alvin Kamara it's not that I don't like Jonathan Taylor number 2 overall if I'm drafting in a honesty he is in my top three running backs because he is in no way a depreciating asset and they all go in the first round so you kind of have to for me pick the ones that have that value and a significant value fl- a production floor at least uh running back and i think jonathan taylor fits that mold and um, dalvin cook is an exceptional i'm not more scared to draft dalvin cook again To the open bias point, Um, I think he should be phenomenal if he gets a workload and doesn't get injured. He's got a bad history with injuries, but I can't predict those. So I do think he belongs as a running back three. But if you're asking me to pick my three most confident finish inside the top 12, I'm most confident with Chris McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, and Alvin Kamara. If you want to add Dalvin Cook to that list and remove one of the others, cool. But again... We shouldn't be the most confident about more than two, maybe three, because we did so badly last year. So inside the top 12, I get to add two more players. I added Clyde edwards Lair and Najee Harris, just, again, leaning heavily on youth at running back. I don't like that at all. I think Nick Chubb finishes in the top 12. I think Derek Camry does. I think Antonio Gibson is a really strong bet to have one of those fringe uh, top 12-wire Top twelve running back seasons, but I really don't see him increasing his role, so I'm kind of out. That's why I left him off the list. Derek Henry, I mean, he he's an exceptional talent, obviously, but I bet on volume rather than efficiency. And to be as good as he is at rushing year over year to get into the top twelve, yeah, he's he's definitely gonna do it. But if you're talking about where my confidence level is, I want someone who's gonna catch the ball a little bit as well because that's what I lean on. running back. I think Clyde was like can expand his uh, target role a little bit and should retain um, uh, his rushing role on the Chiefs. And he's young, so I'm just going to go that way with it. But it feels bad, man. I can't tell you how bad that feels. Especially leaving off DeAndre Swift, who everyone seems to be a little more skittish on than they were. Which is interesting for a guy who tends to have no running backs on his rosters. I think it's an interesting time to send DeAndre Swift offers in your leagues, just in case. There's some, I guess there's been some bad reports out of camp. Bad coach blurbs. Like, I don't... Listen to that stuff. He's in his sophomore, had a good rookie uh season, had the best receiving numbers of any rookie running back that year. Uh, I think he's definitely worth an ad, but if I'm only going to pick two players off those last seven guys, it's going to be Najee Harris because rookie running backs hit, and Clyde edwards Lair just because. He's the lowest rank, so he's at least risky. But really, it's because he's on the Chiefs. His workload is as secure as Antonio Gibson's. But I think there's a little more variance in his receiving targets than there is for Gibson. Because Gibson's got JD McKissick, who's just one of those running backs who sucks up targets a little bit. Clyde Eberslea really doesn't have that. Pick your own two or three. We could add an extra one. if I was going to add an extra one, it would be Gibson or Swift. It would. I'd lean youth again. Alright, uh, top 12 wide receivers. I'll do the same thing. Um, we should expect to get one to two wide receivers right in the top five, and we should probably really only expect one because, we, again, we're excessively accurate with our top five um, wide receivers last year. So, following my same logic, can't tell you it's true, but it tends to be what I feel when I look at our accuracy. But that's just purely a feeling, not the data shows regression. I just, maybe I'm just. Seeing patterns where there are none, just giving you a full warning. But I think we should expect to get two top five wide receivers right. Um, and we were a little over lucky last year. Uh, we should expect to get six to seven, so slightly higher um, wide receivers right inside the top 12. And um, Let's see, wide receivers last year, we were incredibly unlikely in the top 12 at wide receivers. We've got 33% of them right, when on average we get closer to 50% of them right. And so we should expect an extra player, so you can actually pick or you can pick as many as you like, but I limited myself to seven in the top 12. Just to edge towards that higher number. So players I may feel most confident about in the top five at wide receiver Dynasty ADP right now. I selected Justin Jefferson because that's what you do. The other top five wide receivers are Tyree Kill, AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, and CD Lamb. This is actually a fairly easy pick for me. I'm always willing to bet it against Tyree Kill. I just I don't, I don't like the flavor that his points come in. He's most likely to score you 40 points. He's the least likely to score you 5. I... And I know that 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 offense scores points weirdly in a way that I can't really describe unless you're doing the projections. You can't really understand it. It's just I don't understand where the production comes from. And yet they're epically productive. Like it, anyway, I can't really explain that. So I shouldn't have brought it up anyway. um, so, yeah. And also Tyreek Kill's getting towards the end of his career. No, not really. I, I'm not worried about his age. It's just of those five, if I'm only going to pick one, it's Justin Jefferson. Because he had such a magnificent rookie season. And the, elite, and the most confident that he will keep being that productive following into next year. DK metcalf got Tyler Lockett. I think he's ranked up there for thickness. And it's again, it's not like I don't like any of these players, to be very clear. I'm just choosing if I have to pick one that I'm most confident in it's Justin Jefferson. CD Lamb, I'm probably the least confident in. I just don't get how we can write off Amari Cooper that easily. Um we've always seemed to be ready to write off Amari Cooper and I'm just not sure we've ever gotten that right except that time Gruden just intentionally didn't target him and then he traded out and was Amari Cooper again. I don't know he's a 1000-yard, 1, 1200-yard, 1, 120 target guy. It's it's what he is who helped C.D. Lamb, but you kind of need efficiency for Lamb to get in the top 12, let alone the top five. I think this is a dynasty overvaluing valuing age thing, and I love C.D. Lamb. I don't think he's getting cheaper, so I, I wrote him up as someone I would trade for and want to trade for now, this offseason, because I don't think he's getting cheaper or easy to trade for. But, um, yeah, top five, I, I, I just can't get there. A.J. Brand now has a Julio Jones Friend, and they will be great together. But predicting the very tippy top of upside in that situation, mostly I'm just happy for the team rather than AJ Brown getting the height of his production this year. Okay, top 12. The other guys I selected were Devonte Adams, Stephon Diggs, Cavan Ridley. Again, just leading 25 and older have done it before. Cavan Ridley's on a path to be one of those guys. His career arc is very in line with I guys who produce multiple top 12 seasons from here on out and uh, also DeAndre Hopkins leading age Um Tara McLaurin, who I think is my favorite top 12 breakout candidate which I wrote up for DLF and I think we talked about in the podcast before um, and I had like one extra like that's around six players let's see um, Jefferson Adams Diggs Ridley Hopkins McLaurin that's six and technically if we get slightly more accurate this year because we were a little unlucky last year with our ADP so I said DJ Moore, sure, I don't I will take the excuse to be extra excited about DJ Moore. I think there's a, there's no sense of a flaw. Um top 12 is outside of his career arc range and that players normally don't get a top 12 year after their fourth um NFL season, but DJ Moore also looks like none of those players. Players who have had two top 24 seasons inside the first 3, three years and then not had top 24 seasons outside of that. Like, DJ Moore looks more productive, more efficient. He looks like a better player than everyone who failed to hit top 12 after having two top 12 seasons. And so I think maybe this is just a situation thing. We know he hasn't had quarterbacks who have big fans of throwing touchdowns. Sam Darnold isn't an upgrade in that department necessarily, but sure, if I get to pick another guy, it's DJ Moore. Um... Leaving out, by the way, Jamar Chase. Like I, this is a CD. Lam- Same thing I said for CD Lamb. Love Chase. I don't think he finishes inside the top twelve. I think this is just a dynasty value. Obviously, a dynasty value thing. And why Dynasty ADP runs a little less accurate in the top twelve than redraft ADP. Who I do not believe are taking Jamar Chase in the top twelve. Um. All right. So I hope that was that was sensible. I made a good episode because that's what I was writing about and the trends I saw in the data. My general. F- and they are feelings, to be real clear. I really try to separate when I'm just spitballing here with you all about how this stuff works and when I'm actually telling you something that is borne out to be true in the data. And I can tell you we hit fairly consistently a wide receiver and tight end quarterback at certain rates and where we are at least and most accurate last year. I feel pretty confident we should come back towards the average or regress um, in those departments I can tell you that ADP for running backs is much more volatile and that we're more likely to get 100% than 70% right because it yo yos up and down so often. But whether this is, whether our accuracy regresses literally year over year, I don't know. That's my feeling on it. That's not necessarily borne out to be true with only five years of ADP to work with. Um But that's what I see. I do think it's an interesting exercise, so uh, go look at that article, go look at my database, take the list of names I just read off to you, and think in terms of six or seven players that you're most confident in. Then go check out where their ADPs are, and try to highlight them in your drafts coming up, because... I think it's an interesting exercise we can't draft all of them so we may as well use our uncertainty and um, based on our inaccuracy uh to try and really nail down who we really want to make sure we get in our dress. and i found it i found it a useful exercise last year and uh, i thought this one was an interesting one um let me know what you think uh youtube comments below leave it in a review i guess hit me up at pa howdy on twitter uh, tell me what you think or who would you be who would your top seven guys be in those top 12s? Um, tight ends, I already listed the three, I think, are most likely to be difference makers. Kyle Pitts finishing the top five is very, 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 very possible, and ADP seems to suggest that he'll do that. And we're normally not, we're the most accurate of the top five in tight end, even though we don't hit a 50% rate. And um, we've got Carl Pitts in there. So that's actually just fuel to the fire and the Pitts bonfire for right now. Um, I, but I still find value in targeting. Evan Ingram might be injured and out for the season, which has ruined a lot of my dynasty, uh, best, well, sorry, my best ball teams. Um, but also, I, I still don't mind Logan Thomas. I still don't mind... Um, uh, Mark Andrews, where they're going in ADP relative to those other guys, I I, I still stick to my streaming strategy, but value in Dynasty-wise, it's looking very true that Carpets is going to be uh, a positive asset going forward, at least. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, that, that's the thing. Uh, all right, I'm getting out of here. Thanks very much. Uh, let me know what you think, what else you might like me to cover. Fitting in two episodes this week, so, you know, Whew, tired, man. Emma, <laughs> uh, okay, appreciate it. Um, bye.
1: Yeah. Chicken a chick crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road. Go clicking a pole, Twitter is gold. run phone so Jake on the table and ape on the play. So no. Peter enumerates the plays, are analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got their in lanes, but I like that yeah. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats nice. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight Back and forth, there is no order, they disorder more and more Because the players ain't no older, they some hoarders or some mortars Dropping bombs without no borders, you got that eye, I like mortar Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore I am at a road chicken or crow, chicken or crow Crossing the road, go, clicking a poll, twitter is gold, player unfold so Jake on the table and Naple on the place though. Pete enumerates it's the plays they're analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll Twitter is gold, player unfold. So Jake on the table and Naple on the place though. Pete enumerates it's the plays they're analytical.